Welcome back to the Messy Financial Podcast. Today is Monday, August 23rd. I'm Felipe Medina, Certified Financial Planner, Senior Vice President at IHG Wealth Management. And I'm Chad Sewell, Certified Financial Planner, Senior Vice President at IHG Wealth Management. And like always, before we, we dive into today's podcast, we just have to satisfy our compliance guys. So I'll go ahead and take care of that. Information mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Investments involve risk, and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as indicated to determine future results. IHT is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Thanks for covering that, Felipe. Um, when, when Felipe and I got together and, and did the outline of this podcast, what we felt was important is kind of to give a recap from the last podcast to now, um, where we, we've been overdue for a podcast. But part of the reason we haven't put one out was the market, especially in the summertime, it seems like although a lot happens at the same vein or in the same vein, not very much happens um, all at the same time. And so um, what to jump back to when we put out our last podcast, part of what we had talked about uh, is at that time, we, we had mentioned that we felt that we were a little concerned that we'd be seeing some market chop that would be attributed largely to headlines. We were in this kind of sweet spot, if you will, where we had just gotten off some, some economic data and there was a few weeks before we were going to start getting into earnings reports before. Uh, so the market was just at the, the hands of, of headlines and, you know, the emotional component. And so part of what, you know, Felipe and I were discussing in that podcast and, and also what we've been just chatting with our clients about, whether it be in phone calls, emails, appointments, whatever it be, um, was that we we felt that the the second quarter earnings that we were about to enter into, which this started at the end of July, we felt was going to be a very strong earnings season. the The issue was more getting to that, and and, and we'll we'll cover how the earnings reports came out and, and how everything has has looked um, now that we're almost done with earnings season. But it was just this big jumping off point from the end of economic data to the next uh, earnings report. And, you know, without, uh, I, said, I should say, sure enough to not disappoint, the headlines came out pretty, uh, they've been pretty abrasive and specifically around the Delta variant. And so because that's dominated headlines and, you know, even recently more with, with things like uh, what's going on in Afghanistan, it's put a lot of downward pressure on the market and that's all being done while just kind of as a quick spoiler alert, we've had a really strong earnings season. And so what we're looking at is, okay, how do we navigate forward through all of this? And, you know, for us, uh, we felt that second quarter earnings is a line of demarcation that would help us help tell us if the earnings season was as good as we thought it was going 
can be that the overall weighting and tilts that we have for our client accounts would either justify themselves in saying, let's stay in this, these positions, or it would be the opportunity to say, well, let's go a different direction. And so in the midst of all of this, we've had a lot going on in the market. And even though there's been a lot of volatilities, the market hasn't really gone a, a whole lot of, it hasn't really gone, gone a whole lot of anywhere. Um, and so here we sit, uh, Felipe, just last, just a few days ago, the Fed came out and they were discussing tapering. Um, and that kind of had a little bit of a pressure, had a little bit of pressure on the market. You want to jump into that? Well, thanks, Chad. Yeah. And, and it's very important to remember, and I know we've covered this in previous podcasts, but the Federal Reserve, uh, basically their job is to is, is, is twofold. One, to help participate full uh, full employment and to uh, keep inflation in check. And they use a lot of different ways to help jumpstart the economy to meet those two mandates. And obviously last year when, when coronavirus struck and, and markets were in turmoil, uh, and we talked about this before, they basically threw the kitchen sink and, and then some and carpet bombed the economy with dropping interest rates down to zero and, and quantitative easing. And what quantitative easing is just buying bonds, um, a significant amount of bonds in, in the neighborhood of $120 billion a month to help flood the market with liquidity. And liquidity is important because if, if credit markets dry up and there is no liquidity, that's when everything in the financial system kind of grinds to a halt. And the Fed has been doing this ever since last year uh, when we were going through all this. And there's been a big debate on when do we stop, stop tapering? When do we slow tapering? Uh, when do we raise interest rates? And the Fed's been very, very careful to sort of tiptoe around all these different different um, timeframes because it, it's not trying to upset the market. And last week, you know, when they released some of their minutes, you know, they were they were sort of all over the place. Like, let's stop tapering now. Let's taper in the beginning of the, of the new year. Uh, but what what the market took out of it was let's they're going to be tapering sooner than later and and tapering means like i said again before they're just going to stop buying the bonds on a monthly basis they said they don't plan on raising interest rates anytime soon but they planned on just stopping the buying of 120 billion dollars worth of bonds every month now inherently that will raise interest rates a hair and will push the 10-year treasury up but what we've actually seen is the 10-year treasury fall and so a lot of people were saying, well, do we think we're going to be seeing another quote unquote temper, uh, taper tantrum? And a taper tantrum is what we saw back in 2013 when the Fed did this from the 2008 financial crisis. They were, they were, we were in QE for a long time. And then when they started tapering of the buying of the bonds, the market sort of threw a so-called so fit. And what I mean by that is the 10-year spike significantly uh, on pressure of, of the buying of the no longer, excuse me, the Fed no longer buying those bonds. And we actually haven't seen that, that happen. If we were going to see a true taper tantrum, we had expected to see the 10-year, you know, rise significantly. And over the last week or so, you know, it spiked for a day or two, but it's actually fallen significantly since then. It was up near 1.3%. And now we're sitting at 1.25%. Now it doesn't sound like a lot, but in the bond world, that's a significant amount. So that, that, that was one of the major things putting a lot of pressure on the markets in the last few weeks. And, and obviously Chad touched on it before. Another major thing was 
that was putting downward pressure on the market was just sort of all the headline news. And like he said, we expected Q2 to be, or earnings to be fantastic. In fact, um, 13 companies are reporting this week. Uh, so far, 472 companies have reported, uh, which is that's 94% of the S&P 500. 89% of those are beating earnings estimate by a median of 13%, which is really, really good. Um, on the top line, 87% are beating by an average of 8%. So what we had expected to see was great earnings, fantastic beats, and that would propel the market. But like we talked about before, really what's been drawing this or trading this market is headlines, whether it's the fall of Afghanistan, the Delta variant fears still you know, popping its head up, you know, Fed possibly tapering sooner than later, the collapse of the University of Michigan Consumer Confidence Survey, you know, some of that chop we talked about. All those things have sort of been pushing down uh, the, the cyclical trade in particular, but basically causing a lot of choppiness in the market. And those things are things that we think that are sort of starting to kind of work their way out of the market. I mean, second quarter earnings season was, like I said, amazing. Positive guidance is out there, rising estimates, sizable upside surprises on the revenue line, which is amazing. And obviously the need for inventory restocking all support positive earnings outlook, not just this quarter, but into the rest of 2021 and beyond. So again, what we sort of said, saw a lot of was a lot of headline risk, a lot of headline trades, and a lot of downward pressure in the market. But I think we're starting to work our way through that. So is there anything in particular, Chad, that you're, you're particularly paying attention to or, or watching? Well, and I think, you know, you did a great job outlining what, what has been going on in the market and, and what we've been, you know, paying attention to. I think one thing to, to just take some time and, and walk through is what earning reports are and why we say that we feel that this has been a good earning season. Um, thinking about it historically, uh, like what would be considered a good earnings season is if 70% of the companies beat on earning estimates. And so, you know, if, if we have 500 companies in the S&P 500, if we have 350 beat on what the analysts predict they'll come out with, we walk away saying good earnings. Um, as you were just pointing to, like now we have 89% of the companies that have reported and, and again, roughly 95% of the S&P 500 has already reported. So 89% of the companies beating um, is, a, is a big beat. If we dive in, in, in you know, with the mindset of being focused on cyclicals because we have a tilt towards these types of companies, 91% of the cyclicals are beating right now on estimates. And what's interesting of that is not only are they beating, but they're beating by almost 20%. So when they're coming out with their earnings reports, they're showing that they're beating by a wide margin. And so for us, that's something that's really important to latch into because, you know, at the end of the day, when, when we're deciding how we want to invest the accounts, what's important is looking at both qualitative and and quantitative analysis. And, you know, from a qualitative side is it starts to be, it starts when you see earning reports like this, it starts to say that, gosh, these companies are on, uh, on sale they, that for their price and looking at their value, it becomes an extremely attractive uh, thought in, 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 you know, for us, when, when thinking about analyzing uh, values of companies or investments in general, if you think about for most equity analysts and or even economists, when 
they're assessing the present value of a stock, they use a discounting future cash. They use dis, they discount future cash flows to arrive at the stock's current value. And so when we're looking at it and saying, gosh, look at these beats and look at where they're at in terms of revenue numbers, it's the companies are, are, are screaming that they're really attractive. However, our market is, is emotional. And so because the, the market is off of fear and greed, we get these wild swings. And you know, over the last couple of weeks, is, you know, our portfolios have kind of been uh, punched in the face and specific to the, the cyclicals. Um, a Warren Buffett quote comes to mind, and, and his quote is, the true investor welcomes volatility. A wildly, a wildly fluctuating market means that irrationally low prices will periodically be attached to solid businesses. And I think that that's starting to show us the, the, the scenario that we're in right now from an investment side is some of these companies are, are very attractively priced. And I think that, you know, as we, as we move forward, you know, one thing that I would say is, we we've talked about this in the past of kind of recapping how the, you know, how the investment strategy has been evolving over the last, you know, years specifically from, or about a year and a half going back to March of last year, specifically around the idea of the volatility that's been out there and how we're trying to capture where there are gains. And, you know, what, what we went to at the end of last summer was buying these cyclicals and, you know, if we just watch it from a standpoint of cyclicals, they did extremely well in the beginning. I'm sorry, they did extremely poorly at the beginning of 20 because there was so much, they require a face-to-face interaction. So think of things like the airlines, right? And so if we aren't able to do face-to-face interactions, tough to, to validate why we would buy them. Well, then we move forward and and um, you know, technology did great through last year, but towards the end of the year, when we went to the tilt to cyclicals, um, from the end of the year last year till just, if, you know, back to right before June, cyclicals were strongly outperforming. Now with the Delta variant back around, it starts to put some downward pressure on the cyclicals because, again, the concerns around face-to-face interactions and the potential for lockdowns. Um, but I think what we have to start to determine as, as investors is, do we think that this is more permanent? Or do we think this is more of a transitory pressure on these investments? And what both Felipe and I believe in um, to our core is there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Headlines drive markets, especially in a short-term manner. But fundamentals always play out, especially long-term. And so what we want to be as an, as an investor is we want to take advantage of good pricing and know that if we buy things at, at a strong price, that long-term things are going to continue to do well. And so from just, if we look at it strictly just the lens earnings, it's been quite supportive of the approach that we've taken. Sure, we've seen some, some choppy water here in the last couple of weeks, but we think that we're getting kind of towards the end of that. And also one, one last little point to put into that, it's not atypical to see some choppiness in, in the market during summer times because a lot of these institutional traders go off into vacation. And so what you have through the summer months is low volume. Why that's important is if there's a little bit of a buyer strike, the market becomes quite more volatile than what it would in a normal volume type, type timeline. So you know, pretty much non-summer months. 
And so I think that from a standpoint of, if we just look at it strictly through the lens of earnings and qualitative analysis, things are looking very attractive and where they're going to be heading towards your end. Um, from an economic standpoint, Felipe, is there any specific details that you're paying attention to? Yeah, no, I think one of the things you touched on that I just want to kind of make sure we focus back up on is you're right. Markets are driven by their fundamentals long-term, but headline risk is that short-term noise. And what I've been talking to my clients about is just sort of trying to block out that short-term noise because long-term we feel the fundamentals are strong. And, and that's, that's what we had been talking about. And one thing in particular, like, you know, headlines are, are headlines. They change daily or weekly. And one of the biggest headlines that everyone was talking about with risk, you know, a couple of weeks ago was inflation and inflation, sustained inflation over the next few years and how that's going to be so detrimental to the economy moving forward. And well, we feel that, you know, inflation short term is here because of some of the things that are going on. We just don't feel that it's going to be a future problem. Um, we believe there's a few structural considerations at play that put a lot of downward pressure on prices over the medium to long term. You know, demographics, global trade are, are a couple of those, but also, you know, the consumer being a lot more acute price, you know, sensitive. And it's an important variable that can keep prices down, especially when they're when the current supply demand imbalances that are out there get resolved. So we anticipate short-term transitory inflation, basically what the Fed has been talking about. But we feel that really the major, major reason why we haven't seen a lot of inflation, not just recently, but over the last few years is really the rise of the internet. And we've seen the fact that people are really, it's really, really easy to price shop now, uh, sitting on your couch or at your desk, we can pull up prices of what you're paying for things. And that competition is what's really forcing price pressure down and why we don't believe that we're going to see long-term uh, inflation. So with that being said, you know, we believe that, like I said, we talked to our clients about making sure that they would block out some of that short-term noise, but really, really pay attention to the fundamentals. And that's what Chad and I as investors tried to, to, to capture and point, point towards like what you were saying uh, is really look at the fundamentals. And, you know, like I said, headlines can change from day to day. I know Delta variant has been the big one that's been out there and, and causing a lot, of, a lot of fear out in the market. But, you know, one of the things that we look at is, is, is from state to state. And we look to see what's going on with, with, with COVID and especially the Delta variant. But one of the ones that we watched specifically was Florida. And we think that some of the things we're starting to see in Florida are starting to be a little encouraging. We're seeing a downturn in cases. Uh, one of the reasons why we like to look at Florida, it was one of the first U.S. states to see a crazy rise in the Delta variants. Um, so right now we're seeing the numbers sort of roll over and, and the Florida surge of the Delta variant lasted about 40 days. And another reason why we like looking at Florida is Florida took limited or almost no mitigation measures, uh, yet the cases still sort of peaked and started to roll over. Kids have returned to school, uh, but we're still seeing a rolling over in those numbers. So again, Headline risk is out there. You know, it's not something you want to just jump in and out as traders, maybe, but as investors and long-term outlook, that's not something we pay attention. We don't try to pay attention to unless it's something that uh, is really, really going to cause a significant downturn in, in, the, in the portfolios or in the market. And those are some of the things that we're kind of paying attention to, those underlying currents that we feel that we're setting up, not just ourselves, but our clients for the long-term uptrend. Yeah, and, and, and going off that point, Felipe, you talk about... Um 
the U.S. consumer, and, and going back to what I was just talking about, is one of the you know pillars or foundation to our investment strategy is the fundamentals from a corporate level um, or just in, in, in an investment level, um, but also looking at it from an economic standpoint. Um, talking about the U.S. consumer, you know, the U.S. consumer was a formidable force before the pandemic. Now they're wealthier. Um, there's, they've, they've been able to accumulate a lot more in savings um, over the last you know, 18 months than they had. And so um, there's really savings over debt on the U.S. consumer. Strong U.S. consumer um, is, is extra propulsion for getting through and continuing on the strength of the economic rise that we've been having. Um, about, I think it was about a week and a half ago, maybe is when the JOLTS report came out and the JOLTS report showed the number of job openings has now eclipsed the number of unemployed Americans by right about 1.3 million. The last time this happened, unemployment was at a 50 year low. And so we have a strong U S consumer from the labor market. Things are looking pretty good. And then something that we've talked the clients about it um, a bunch in the past is looking at things like PMI numbers, which I think it's this week they're going to come out with the, um, uh, I guess it'd be the July numbers. Um, but from last month's numbers, the PMI came in at 59.5%. What's the important part of that? Well, anything that's over 50 um, is considered a, an expanding economy. And so for us to be uh, above 50, immediately shows us that we're in a, uh, a strong uh, economy, right? And so one of the things that I look back is, if you look over the data, you can determine that since 1949, every time PMI goes above 50, there's measurable outperformance by cyclicals in value-based companies. Um, to, to target it down a little bit more recently, over the last 25 years, um, that story has stayed the same, the only thing that's been added into that is the three, or if we look, if we drill down to the three groups that have consistently outperformed when PMI is above 50 in the last 25 years, it's been technology, which is something we own, energy, something we own, and then value, something we own. And so I think looking at it in a big picture, we have the micro uh, data of, of the individual companies coming out extremely strong. And then we have the macro data of the overall economy as being extremely strong. And you mentioned inflation. And I think that this will be, you know, uh, one of the other points to being, being more focused on asset heavy companies in inflationary times, you have, you know, an accounting practice called CapEx that asset heavy companies are able to deduct more against their their end what what finalizes as their bottom line number. In addition, when we look at things again, asset based companies, they tend to do a little bit better than something like a subscription based company. So let's juxtapose here. Um, let's go Boeing and, and Netflix. Well, Netflix subscription costs is you know let's just say it's twenty dollars a month. So regardless of what's going on with inflation, it's twenty dollars a month for Boeing as the price of their, their airlines or the price of an airplane goes up, they, they'll rep, that will be represented in the price that they're selling it for. And so asset heavy companies tend to do better in inflationary times. So if we do see some inflation, whether it be transitory or 
maybe even a little bit more long-term, again, having this value or cyclical uh, tilt is advantageous. Um, I've kind of been going on a, on a run on here with a bunch of data, Felipe, anything that you wanted to jump in and interject on? Yeah, no, I, I don't. I know we try to keep these podcasts short and sweet, but you know, we, with us missing last month, we we had a lot of data and stuff we wanted to get out to you. But one of the last things, and I know we've talked about it in in previous podcasts, was watching the VIX, and we saw the VIX um, have an inversion again versus the four month futures, which is historically a really good sign or, or a sign of market capitulation. So we saw that happen last week. Uh, Thursday. And since that time, we saw the market have a pretty good run up on Friday and then again today. So again, all these little things that we, we keep an eye on. Uh, again, we're trying our job as, as, as advisors is to sort of block out some of the short term noise and look long term in the future. Uh, but it's definitely some, some of these things we do pay attention to. But like Chad said, the consumer is strong, corporates are strong. Uh, we have a lot of tailwinds coming on, especially if we get some of these new um, bills passed uh, through 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 the government here soon. We could have an infrastructure a spending bill. All these things are all tailwinds for why we see, we see the market uh, moving up and and hitting those those highs that we had towards the end of the uh, we had that we talked about at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think that that's the point that I'll I'll end the podcast with here is you know what we have talked about is. Like the number that we're pointing to for the S&P 500 is by year end, something around 4,600, right? Plus or minus. And, you know, I think we're going to get there through a variety of different ways. Obviously, we feel that cyclicals are going to play a big part in that return. And, and if we look back to 2020, it's interesting to see, I think it was 180 companies were positive last year, um, which means what 320 were had negative returns, but the market as a whole was still up over 16% last year. And so the, the big companies have kind of kept the weight of the market up. And so some of the smaller weighted companies, if we're looking at forward looking PE ratios, should be quite uh, accommodative to the growth that we're going to see going to year end. And, you know, along with all the good data that we talked about from, again, the corporate level, the individual level, the economic level, the last little thing that I'll, I'll point on, put on here too is if we look at the reports of what companies have been saying after they're, they're going through in their earnings, um, share buybacks and repurchases were mentioned um, more times than capital investments on their earnings transcripts which just means corporate corporations are going to go back in and, and buy up shares, which again is, you know, uh, independent of the long-term impact of that for short-term. And again, going to the year end should be advantageous to the market growth. And so um, we feel that yes, this summer has been a little bit choppy. It's not something that was too surprising for us coming into it. We think that we're getting to the end of this and, you know, the last two days have been a favorable trades for uh, the cyclicals. And we think that this is going to be more of, of the theme here to come to the year end. But as always, we know that uh, giving this much data can leave you with some questions. And so if anything pops up, if you have any questions for myself, Felipe, please do not hesitate to reach out to us or your financial planner. Um, as always, we wanted to just share our, our, our gratitude for you taking time to listen to this. We hope you found it informational and we hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.